0: I feel this immense dematerialization, this tangible reality around me is not so tangible anymore. I'm being dissolved and absorbed
1: by the media. This is Voices of Ukraine, a podcast from the Harriman Institute at Columbia University. Every week, we share stories of lives from our community that have been upended by Russia's war on Ukraine. I'm Masha Udensova brenner the Institute's media manager. Can you pronounce your name for me? Olena Martynyuk. Very common surname.
0: It just comes from the name Martin.
1: Olena is a postdoctoral research scholar with us. She was born in Kropyvnytskyi, a small city in central Ukraine, and she spent nine years living and studying in Kiev before coming to the U.S. as a Fulbright scholar and pursuing her doctorate in art history at Rutgers. Her parents and many of her closest friends are in Ukraine. We spoke 12 days after the war started. At that point, she was seven months pregnant with her first child. When did this start becoming real for you, that there might actually be a conflict?
0: Well, I'm teaching a class right now on Ukrainian art and revolutions and avant-garde. And um, we've been discussing this growing menace and uh, threat for quite some time. And I was sharing some artworks made by artists uh, there who were also waiting for something to happen. And I was probably in denial and understood this growing expectation of something awful. But until the last meeting before the war started with my students, I told them that... Putin was bluffing. I was so sure.
1: What were you doing when you found out that Russia had invaded?
0: Well, because of the time difference, when I woke up, I was flooded by all this news and already a lot happened. So I was just uh, reading on the Internet. And I think that is one of the realities of life now that you feel like you want to have this vital information about your friends and loved ones and this routine of every morning calling my parents when i wake up and also checking upon all of my closest friends in ukraine
1: Elena says that at first many of her girlfriends in cave refused to evacuate we're posting defiant messages on social media this is our land we are not leaving we we're going to stay no matter what. But then the bombardment, the constant air raid sirens, became overwhelming. They started to leave,
0: even those who were so uh, well strong and self-assured and uh, patriotic-minded. They just uh, couldn't handle this anymore, and it happened quite quickly.
1: What was the turning point for them?
0: My first girlfriend to leave was one-year-old baby. She was basically hysterical in her comments. And when you are responsible for this little human being uh, who is completely helpless without you, you, I can so relate right now, even though I'm just pregnant. I haven't seen my baby yet.
1: The friend with the baby fled after the cave suburb she lives in was heavily shelled. It was so scary. They didn't even have a basement. They
0: had to hide in some neighbor's basement. And after hearing all the sounds of explosions, they just ran away, packed everything in the car they could grab quickly. And they even have forgotten a stroller for the baby. But they went to the border, and she crossed the border on foot with a child to Romania.
1: And you said you speak every day with your parents when you wake up. What are those conversations like?
0: I ask if there were sirens and if they hear any explosions. And also, I gather the news of all our other relatives. Relatives on my father's side are in Kharkiv, and they were not willing to leave until basically a day ago, and now they are en route. They're going to stay with my parents, and then they're going to go to my father's nephew, who lives in the West with his family.
1: Meanwhile, the front line keeps moving closer to Elena's hometown, but her parents continue to stay.
0: My father really is against leaving. Me and my husband, we were trying to ask him to think about even going to
1: Carpathians. The Carpathian Mountains are in western Ukraine but Olena's father won't even consider going there. He said, my army
0: is fighting for me right now. If I'm gonna leave, who are they going to fight for? So basically, my mom will n- not live without my dad and my dad believes in Ukraine with his whole heart and he would feel like a traitor if he would leave and it breaks my
1: heart, but I cannot make them evacuate. Elena tries to persuade them by asking them to imagine what it would be like to live under Russian occupation.
0: You would not be able to leave. I would not be able to visit you. Your internet might be turned off. We would not be able to use Skype as we are using it right now. They are not leaving, now.
1: As Elena's parents prepare for the worst, Olena's aunt, who lives in Belarus and used to visit them regularly, refuses to believe their accounts about what's happening in Ukraine. My mom's sister, she believes Putin TV, that uh, Ukraine is crawling
0: with Nazis.
1: Olena's aunt used to drive from Belarus through a big chunk of Ukraine to visit Olena's parents in Kropovnitsky, which is in the center of the country.
0: And I wanted to ask her if she ever met a Nazi in Ukraine, if she ever was discriminated for speaking Russian in Ukraine. And of course, no. She she would have told us, we would hear the story, but never, ever. She puts propaganda in front of her own experience. It's just so... Devastating that this war breaks families, very close family ties. For a moment, I even thought uh, to confront her or trying to persuade her, but then I realized I don't have emotional uh, resource for that.
1: Elena feels depleted. After the war started, she didn't sleep for days. She worried about what the lack of sleep might do to her unborn son. Her doctor prescribed sleeping pills. She's finally sleeping, but she doesn't feel any less tired. And she's still concerned about how her emotional state might affect her baby. All my
0: happy thoughts about pregnancy and preparing for the arrival were interrupted by this war. And I feel like I'm depriving him of something very important right now. I cannot think about him as much as I thought about him before the war started i don't think that uh, the human being can operate with heightened emotions for a very long time so today i somehow think that i should close up a little bit of such emotions because i have also this responsibility in front of this growing life i'm trying to change my emotional involvement, even though it's extremely hard.
1: And is, is your husband a Ukrainian also?
0: Uh, yes, he's a Ukrainian. He relocated with his family quite a long time ago, so he has been living here, and we met here. But Kiev, of course, is the place of his birth,
1: and uh, he's also very much emotionally involved. As Elena watches the destruction of her country from afar, she can't help but think of her last visit. How idyllic it had been.
0: Kyiv, when I visited it this summer, was so beautiful. It turned into this kind of hipster capital of Europe. All these wonderful young people going to concerts of classical music in the park, visiting these tiny little cafes. It was Kind of painfully beautiful. And
1: it felt painful to you at the time, the beauty?
0: No, now, only in retrospect, this beauty seems painful. But back then, I was just overwhelmed.
1: I spoke with Elena again over Zoom in mid-April, a month and a half into the war. By that point, Russian forces had retreated from CAVE to focus their operations on the east of Ukraine. And some of Olena's friends had decided to return to the capital, in spite of warnings from government officials that it was too early to do so. It seems like
0: the situation is a calm before another storm. It's obvious that danger is not evaporated, and it could happen at any moment that they would have to relocate again.
1: The day after we spoke, a Russian missile struck cave again after days of silence. Meanwhile, Olena's parents in central Ukraine have had a constant stream of air raid sirens in their town. Her mother is crying constantly, terrified. Her father still doesn't want to leave. Olena and many Ukrainians are worried about what might happen on May 9th, the anniversary of Russia's victory in World War II.
0: We are all waiting with a dread what this anniversary will bring.
1: I'm happy to report that Elena's son was born healthy two days before the publication of this episode. Both mom and baby are doing well. If you're looking for ways to support the people of Ukraine, please consider donating to razomforukraine.org. That's R A Z O M for Ukraine.org. It was founded in 2014 in the wake of Ukraine's Revolution of Dignity by Dora Chomiak, who's on the Harriman Institute's National Advisory Council. The organization has been working directly with volunteers in Ukraine to provide emergency relief where it's needed most. Thank you for listening to Voices of Ukraine from the Harriman Institute at Columbia University. I'm Masha Densova brenner This episode was written and produced by me and edited by Ann Cooper. The music in the series is by Ivan Nebesny, who's currently in Lviv. We wish him, Olena's family, and all the people of Ukraine safety and strength. Our cover art is by Victoria Tentler-Krylov. A huge thank you to Jordan Waller, Marco Andrzejczyk, and Nathan Schiller for their feedback on the episode. If you like the show, please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave us a review.